0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Doing Well, Doing Swell. I'm your girl, Mallory Lovings, and I'm very excited about this week's episode because it is International Nurses Week, and we are celebrating all nurses... Because it is well-deserved. I have my girls Lex and Liss coming on today, my nurse baes, eh, to talk all things nursing industry with you guys, what it takes to become a nurse, and what it takes to be a nurse. And these two women are extraordinary beyond belief. So without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, well, thank you so much for being here, for coming on Doing Well, Doing Swell. I'm pumped to have you guys.
1: I'm pumped to be here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The first thing that I'm going to have you guys do is introduce yourselves. So you can introduce yourself as you, and then we'll get into the topic of what this episode is all about. I'll go first. So
2: my name is Elizabeth. Um, I am a orthopedic nurse. At least that's where I got my initial training. I graduated nursing school December 2021. So I've just been, you know, a fresh nurse in in that career field. I also um, have a blog called feel seen that I write weekly blog posts for. Um, and yeah, I just I love to travel. I Love to hang out with my friends, eat new foods. Yes, and that's me. You might hear Jasmine in the background. She is a diva and she loves attention. So, she's gonna come out here and start meowing at some point. Just so you guys know,
0: that's okay. This podcast welcomes any and all cats that want to listen, <laughs> that want to be involved, that want to meow.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, I guess I'll introduce myself. My name's Alexis. I go by Lex. I am an ICU nurse. I got my nursing degree at the end of 2020. Uh, It's my second bachelor's degree. So I was a little late entering my career. But um, I did a year in the ICU back in Chicago where I'm originally from and then moved out to California and took a travel nurse job and have been out here ever since. And I've been out here for about a little over a year and still in the ICU in surgical trauma now. And yeah, it's just been a journey since then. I also love to travel been doing a little more of that lately. Thanks to my great friend, Mallory, <laughs> um, love to shop, just like to experience new things and new experiences. And yeah, hopefully I will continue on that journey. I will start my nurse practitioner school in the fall so that will be the next newest journey
2: for me (laughs) she said
0: she said I just finished school so let me go right back (laughs)
2: listen see that's not me it's a love-hate relationship (laughs) through
1: and through but you know when you have goals you just got to keep grinding with your head down and then When I accomplish them, I can live my life.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's probably better Mm -hmm. to keep the momentum going versus taking like a really large gap because who's going to want to go after a really large gap?
1: Exactly. I don't have time for that. We got to get this life rolling.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't have time Mm -hmm. to go back in general. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So I want to know from both of you, what got you guys to even want to pursue nursing? Lex, let's start with you.
1: Okay, so my journey is interesting because, like I said, this is my second bachelor's degree, so um, I'll keep it nice and short, but originally, I was an athletic training major, had a big love and passion for sports medicine. Um, I wanted to pursue physician assistant um, after I finished my bachelor's degree. Um, Sometimes your plans don't go as planned, so... I had to segue, and nursing's always been a field in the back of my mind. It wasn't something that um, was first on my list when I started college originally, but after graduating and looking at different avenues and routes to get to where I really wanted to be, uh, I decided to go and get my BSN after my first bachelor's. Um, I've always enjoyed taking care of people; um, that's been a passion of mine. Whether it's in the hospital, in the clinic, um, whatever the case may be. So I found that I could still do that in nursing and find the right specialty for me that I really enjoyed and then get to my ultimate goal, which instead of physician assistant now, it will be um, an acute care nurse practitioner. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what got me started.
0: Nice. It's all about the segues and learning how to navigate each path. Liz? Awesome. Um,
2: so I always knew that I was within the healthcare field. Um. As a kid, I had to become like a caretaker. My mom had a lot of health complications. So I was just kind of got used to that flow. So it comes very naturally for me. Um. I originally had plans of being a doctor and then life happened and I realized that It wasn't necessarily my dream, and that it wasn't going to coincide well with the lifestyle that I wanted to live and the goals that I had. My mom went to nursing school and she was like, You should look into nursing. And I did. And I really loved it because I get to actually do a lot more one on one with my patients. And I also love the flexibility. I can choose a different specialty at any point in something new. The financial opportunities are amazing, um, and I'm really glad that I went with that decision. So I ended up going uh, with an ADN program, and so I'm actually going to start. I'm going to go back for my bachelor's this summer and take online courses for a year. Um, but yeah, really the biggest thing for me is having that freedom of time, and I love that I can clock in, make a difference, and then I can leave, and I can go live my life. So
0: yeah from my understanding is Lex, you have a contract where you work a certain amount of days a week for however long that your contract is, whether that's six months or a year or three months or whatever it may be. Liz, your contract is looking like a a, a shift by shift contract. You pick up whenever you want to.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it happened by accident, but Um, I ended up finding the world of per diem and like, it's so hard for me to go back. Now I had applied for a job and I'm glad that I didn't take a contract because I would have ended up having to stay there and it ended up not being a good fit. Um, but I made sure that I stayed at my original job per diem. And so I had another job and then I saw all the benefits that came with being per diem. So I make my own schedule, um, Because of that, I do let go of having benefits, but I have my freedom, which I really like. And there's just a lot of pros to it. It's definitely helped with my work-life balance a lot. Yeah. Definitely. And for
1: me, um, I left a staff position job, um, which was, like you mentioned, having all the benefits, um, full insurance, you know, 401k, and then again, still for a nurse, the average full-time is three shifts a week, 36 hours. Um, That's how they Mm -hmm. determine full-time or part-time. So I left that position and then went into a travel contract, which at the time was a five-month long contract. It was five months, 48 hours a week. Um, So I was working four days for five months straight. I did that for a full year. So I extended um, my contract when it ended and did another uh, five months and 48 hours. And then now I'm in 13 weeks and back to 312s a week. So like you said, per diem has its, it's great, um, you know, benefits as far as picking up when you want to pick up and having a long stretch of time off and only working the minimum amount of shifts that are required. Being on contract, Mm -hmm you are required to work essentially full time every week for that 13 weeks or however amount of time they sign you for. The downside that you can have for a travel contract versus being per diem at a hospital. So technically you are staff, but you're just per diem on their, you know, roster, is that for a travel contract, you can be canceled um, at any point in your contract and essentially you can just be dropped. Um, they really don't have to have a reason. Yes, it is. And I have witnessed it with multiple people and colleagues that I've worked with starting and essentially they don't have to have a reason. Sometimes it will be, you know, a very valid reason and where it comes to patient safety and different things that just, you should not be doing in the healthcare field. Um, so they will terminate you for that or it can be as little as maybe some of the staff doesn't like you. That's there. And they may stir up some drama and bring it to the managers and Ooh. say, oh, they did this, this little tiny thing. And have you, you know, very petty, very petty yeah, business. Scandalous. <laughs> I'm like, um, even the hospitals got drama. Yes. Oh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yes, yeah, so I have witnessed it. Fortunately, that has not happened to me. Hope it will never happen. But yes, the downside is that you can be canceled at any time. And then you are, you know, jobless. And then you're then on having to find something else to pick up another contract. Um, The upside to that is usually the travel contracts offer more money. Um, So you're getting paid a little bit more. Depending on where you're coming from, you can also have a stipend. So that's nice too. So that's extra tax free money that's added every week. Um, so there are some pros and cons for sure, but lots of options.
0: Cool. So, another question that I have that for both of you, it may be different or maybe it's similar. I don't know how the nursing industry works, um, <laughs> but that's why we're here. What was the hardest transition from school to getting your career started? Like, cause it sounds like there's multiple options. You can just go work at a hospital, right. And be staffed. You can do a travel nursing thing. You could be per diem. There's, it seems like the nursing world just has a bunch of options. So it's like, how do you even get started?
3: Okay. So before COVID, um, a lot of things have changed since then. So the transition was really hard, but before COVID, I made sure that I set myself up to work in the hospital just so that I could have an in once I got out of nursing school, and I highly recommend that. But once COVID happened because of like all the staffing and things like that, a lot of times you have a lot more options. So before they would kind of like tell you, you have to go to med search, which is what I work medical surgical, just to kind of get your, um, get your like feet wet. And then you could go on to a specialty and they would be more likely to hire you.
0: I like how um, they have, sorry to interrupt, but I like how they have all of these like super cool, fun, like, hospital words like med surge. you gotta go to med surge. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh medical- my goodness did you see Becky she was at <laughs> <in> the med surge.
3: <laughs> yeah it's medical surgical and it's pretty much mm-hmm. you can get anything and it's a lot of times uh patients you're managing patients before and after surgery mm-hmm. so after COVID they were kind of like you can go on any floors but the hardest transition is the fact that I don't feel like nursing school fully prepares you to be a nurse on the floor. They prepare you to take boards. They prepare you to be safe and to like, you know, have a good knowledge base, but you really learn everything on the floor. And in my case, they cut the training times for the new grads. So they were like, yeah, we'll hire you into the ICU, but you used to get six months of training. Now you get three months or yeah, we'll hire you onto medical surgical but maybe you used to get 4 months of training now you get around you know 8 to 10 weeks of training mm-hmm. so you kind of get this huge culture shock of you know getting in the flow the time management's one of the hardest things as well really getting your clinical knowledge and feeling confident in what you know and being able to take care of the patients so That was the hardest thing for me was like all of those things combined.
1: I like how you mentioned um, before and after COVID. I think that's a Mm -hmm. huge, huge um, barrier, I would say now in the nursing world. Um, Mm -hmm. People might not like me for this, but you said you graduated in 2021?
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Okay. So kind of in the midst of COVID, a little bit after, or like, you know, in the midst of everything happening and I worked Um, COVID too. Yeah. So like you said, how you set yourself up for working in the hospital prior to that, so that you would have it. in. I did the same thing, um, as I was transitioning from my physical therapy job to being more clinical in nursing, being in school, I got a job as a CNA or people call them PCTs, um, Mm -hmm. at a hospital on an orthopedic floor, because that's what my interest was originally, um, to really, you know, set myself up to have experience in the hospital, to be able to make that transition for me a lot easier as a new grad. Um, because a lot of it is just being comfortable, being comfortable in a patient's room, familiar, familiarizing yourself with, um, the hospital itself, the doctors, the personnel, the patients and all the equipment through and after covid a lot of students got that opportunity stripped from them. Um, I was lucky that my program ended, you know, right, I guess at the end of the first year of COVID, but a lot of my clinical experience I was able to gain in the hospital um, through my program and outside of my program. But now a lot of new grads don't have that. You know, a lot of their schooling was just online Essentially, Mm -hmm. and they learned all of their clinical experience online, uh, which can Mm -hmm. be scary (laughs) when you talk about, you know, school not fully preparing
0: you for the the real world. And and as a nurse, as a doctor, as somebody in the medical field, I'm sorry, but you need to get in the field to actually experience (laughs) it. I'm somebody that lands like I learn being hands on. So I'm not going to learn by reading textbooks or reading a worksheet on my little laptop. Like, Mm -hmm. what does that say? I'm going to learn from being in there and doing the dang thing. Yes. And now they've made all these
1: modules. They've made these cool online modules, I guess, where you can act like, oh, you know, you have a patient on the screen and you can go through all the steps that you would do as if you were in the hospital. Um, Yeah. But it's just not the same. It's really not the same. And For me, my biggest thing transitioning from school to the real world was really just the clinical knowledge. I knew after um, a clinical that I had in school that I wanted to do ICU, and I was able and given the opportunity um, to jump right into that as a new grad, and I jumped right in and never looked back, but the biggest mountain I guess I had to climb over was... Really applying myself and learning that clinical knowledge and taking it all through and not being afraid, jumping in and just really absorbing everything that was being thrown at me. Because you don't really have time to waste when you're in that training and learning. And like you said, times have been, training times have been cut in half. So you go from six months to three months, you better get it because after three months, you're on your own. And nursing is a very independent job. Um, it may, yeah. it is also a teamwork environment, but for the most part, it's very independent. Um, so you have to know what you're doing. You have to know what things look like when things aren't going right to ask for help in those situations, yeah. because if not, you know, big mistakes can be made and these are people's lives at risk. So yes, yeah. it's, uh, I- it's definitely a different world now for, the the newcomers coming in.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'm really glad that you mentioned the online modules because like the last semester, no, the second to last semester when COVID um, first happened, we went online. And luckily the next semester we were able to come to campus, but it made no sense to me because at that time, you know, I was in the hospital watching them take away PPE, which is protective personnel, like equipment, you know, your mask and things like that to protect you. And these nurses still had to come to work, you know, they still had to do it. And it's like, if you're going to be in this field, you need to be out there seeing what's going on and know that, like, get yourself mentally prepared for it. And that means like, you still get to come to clinical and come to the hospital, you know? Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of that had to do with infection transmission, like they didn't want students, you know, you know, possibly giving COVID, you know, spreading it around even more. But the students who primarily just got online modules, like I feel for them because they don't even, and if they didn't work as a tech or, you know, a a PCA before then, even more, like it's going to be a huge culture shock for you.
1: And training those kinds of people right now. And, you know, it's hard, you have to have a lot of patience with them. So yeah, biggest advice is getting, having a a job that can relate to that prior to finishing, whether it's the CNA, or some sort of tech or anything like that to get yourself familiarized again, with just the environment itself. They've got you training.
3: That's crazy. (laughs) I'm like, I'm just trying to do a travel assignment. Please don't make me train right
1: now. (laughs) I've been there for so long now. I'm pretty much like pseudo staff and me and a couple other travelers, Uh, my little travel gang, we've all have been there for over a year now and some for over two years. So they treat us like staff. They're like, okay, you know, this new grad is with you today. (laughs) Like, all right. I guess I'm
0: yeah. training. <laughs> it's so interesting to me that some students aren't, weren't able to have access to hands-on clinicals. Like that is just mind-blowing to me in the medical field. Like I feel like you said it should have been like COVID's happening, yes, but we're in it. So and they, if they were working, they would be in it as well. So they should have the clinicals to come and get it. And I understand the risk. There was lack of equipment and just lack of resources in general, but there was also an abundance of patients that also probably could have used the help of having some interns run around. So it's just yeah. wild to me.
3: Well, so many mistakes were made, and we're going to have to deal mm-hmm. with the consequences of it during that time. And it's not just in healthcare, but just in general. So mm-hmm. probably looking back, they're going to definitely see how it just wasn't the right decision to make. But when they were in it, that's what they thought.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really curious. I know this is very dramatic and like way out there, but there are people in the world that probably would do this. But like, I wonder if any lawsuits would come up about that, of being like, these people weren't properly trained. They didn't have the proper education because during COVID they took away clinicals or blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm really curious if that's going to pop up because people are crazy.
1: Well, um, I would say it depends on where that patient works because every specialty is different and every specialty has certain standards and every state has certain standards and, um, you know, policies and protocols for nurses to abide by. And if I could see that happening more in an ICU environment, because, you know, those are the most critical times and families are the most vulnerable at those moments. And when you're talking life and death, which is usually what happens in in that time and in that you know unit where your loved one is staying family members can you know get all kinds of ideas and that patient may not survive and it it may not be anyone's fault you know one small thing could have been done differently not necessarily a mistake but lots of family members get the ideas of you know, trying to take pictures of things and just mad at the situation itself with what their loved one is experiencing and not so much actually of what's going on, but just mad at the whole, you know, the whole situation and just, you know, the outcome that might not be favored, which is the patient not surviving and, Lots of family members get the ideas of, oh, well, you did this to my loved one. And that's not always the case, and usually not really the case at all. But, you know, where there's sadness and grief, there's also anger. And that relates a lot in that with families trying to find something to pin it on someone because they just want to place the blame. Yeah. They don't want to, yeah. you know, accept the fact that this has happened, their loved one is now gone, um, which is, you know, not a happy time for anyone.
0: Yeah. But they
1: they look and they nitpick for things to create these lawsuits. And mm-hmm. you know, it, whether it's a very experienced trained nurse or maybe someone coming in that doesn't have a lot of experience, these things happen a lot. And it could really, you know, mess up someone's career. If you're not doing all the steps in the right way, you know, crossing your T's, dotting your I's, which is related to these newcomers coming in, you know, trying to find the quickest, easiest way to get around things because they don't have that experience and it is a big culture shock. So they're missing steps and they're taking the easy shortcut. And unfortunately, you know that could potentially happen for a lot of upcomers
3: yeah yeah you have to ask yourself and you know save your butt you have to save your license and like back to what you were saying Mallory I don't think that they would ever be able to like blame the education system because for whatever reason that student was able to pass exit HESI pass boards and you know go through a training program so if they didn't feel prepared they should have said something to leadership during their training if they feel like an assignment is too intense for them they need to say something like you have to speak up for yourself Mm -hmm. and like she said you know chart document everything because like you could get sued and the school's not going to be at fault for that they're going to blame you the hospital is not going to care they're going to
0: yeah yeah
1: it's solely your responsibility when you come off that orientation everything is now on you so that's why you have to take everything you've learned everything you absorb obviously still ask questions still remain a student um Mm -hmm. within the job itself but you have to know that it is now all on you and your license is at
0: risk yeah just crazy man so crazy (laughs) i i mean this, <laughs> this is why i'm not a nurse um <laughs> uh but i i i wanted to kind of lex you went from lex is from chicago liz is from the you're, are you from the st louis area
3: not originally but we can we can say that
0: for where are you from... where are you originally from
3: so I was born in Austria and that's where my dad's sides from. And then I lived up in the Chicago area for a majority of my life. Um, and then I moved to St. Louis. So yeah, at this point, it's almost 50, 50 Chicago and St. Louis has been about almost the same amount of time. Okay. Okay. Nice. Love
0: that. I have the same relationship with Chicago and St. Louis. So I'm <laughs> glad we're in this together. Um, I wanted to talk about, and also because Liz I know, you're kind of entertaining the idea of maybe exploring nursing in other states. So I wanted to ask you, Lex, w- was there a major difference from shifting from nursing in Illinois, Chicago area to California?
1: Yes, pros and cons. <laughs> in other states, you have, well, California specifically, I guess I'll talk about just cause I'm here. Um, California is a special bird because they have, um, nurse to patient ratios and that is a law out here. Um, in a lot of other States that is not the case. Um, so coming from the Midwest, you know, you on a med surge unit, you can probably have up to seven or eight patients. Um, and as little as, you know, three or four and, In the ICU, it's a little bit different. Usually the standard is one to two, um, sometimes three. But for California specifically, you can't have over four. So it will always be like a one to four ratio when you get into different specialties. That's when it starts to change a little bit. But um, the standard across the board is four. The other thing is they have mandatory breakers. So they have these nurses that are really just there to break nurses. Where I came from, we we broke each other. We, uh, you know, for in a twelve-hour shift, you get one thirty-minute lunch break, and that's how it was when I was back home. And you would just say, okay. I'm in a good spot now. I'm gonna go on lunch. Can you watch my two patients or whatever the case may be? Just to a colleague that was close by you. Um, and you guys would kind of work that out yourself. Now in California, you have these nurses who are really just there to break. So you are legally supposed to get three 15-minute breaks and one 30-minute break. These nurses will come around and break you once or twice in the morning break you for your 30 minute lunch, and then maybe a 15 at the end of the day, if you have the time to take it. Um, So that was a big shock to me, because it does kind of, you know, interfere with your workflow, depending on the type of nurse that you are. But these nurses are trained to give your meds for you if you need them to draw labs. Um, But they're solely just there to break you. So they will literally tell you, don't worry about it, give me a short report, go on break. Um, so that was a big transition as well otherwise for the most part everything is you know kind of the same across the board obviously any facility that you go into that's different from where you're used to working you're going to have to deal with the differences of providers doing things different protocols maybe being slightly different um, and learning kind of what works with this doctor versus another one. Um, That's just a little bit more in detail. But overall, yeah, I would just say the nurse to patient ratio is huge. And then also just, you know, having extra support and extra resources for these breakers to be there to help to break you to kind of act as a CNA or a tech when you may not have one.
0: Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. It's yeah. always nice. To have help extra is help. Yeah. So <laughs> Liz, now, now I'm curious, like when you go in per diem, like say you pick up a shift tomorrow, it's not planned. You decide you're going to do it. I don't know, in the morning and you go in, like, I assume you're not going to get like seven to nine patients in a day, especially if you're doing it per diem. So what does a, a day look like for you in terms of the patient load?
3: So per diem is just my status in terms of what I'm um, obligated to work. But when I come in, I would, I, I'm, I feel like I'm a staff nurse at the same time. Like I'm still going to get whatever assignment, you know, at our hospital, we see five to six, most days, six patients on a medical surgical floor At some of the other hospitals around the area, they see seven to eight which is crazy because four to five is, is a good sweet spot. Five can get a little crazy. Sometimes four is like, that would be perfect. Like I would be able to do so much more for my patients. If um, I had four, but you know, you make do, Um, but a typical day for me, I come in, I don't get any breaks for real. Um, So there, there isn't anybody to relieve me for a 15 minute break. I try to find breaks where I can. Most of the time I don't take a lunch. And when I do, um, nobody's like taking my phone. So I'm still getting phone calls. I'm still, you know, dealing with stuff while I'm eating. So most days I do not take a lunch. Um and we do have good teamwork on our floor. I'm sure if we I'm sure if, you know, on a good day, I can find somebody and be like, hey, can you watch my patient for a second? I want to go downstairs and grab some breakfast potatoes or something. But, you know, like Lex was saying, this is also a pretty independent job and they have their own team that they're managing. And sometimes if we all have six patients or the person that's in my pod, maybe they're in the same hallway as me. We both have patients in that hallway. They might be having a really busy day and I can't depend on them, you know, and some hospitals, their charge nurse will have um no patients and they're just there to help assist the staff. But for us, sometimes our charge nurse has a full team. So it's kind of hard to find help sometimes. Um but my typical day flow is just I hit the floor running from 7 a.m. till around five, six p.m. that's when it kind of winds down. And I have these little periods in between where if I time man if my time management's really well i can have a, a moment to breathe in between
1: yeah coming from the midwest can't speak on other coasts <laughs> coming from the midwest to the west coast i would say that's probably the biggest thing is is those breaks they are you know they they just have the staff for that and that's they hire nurse breakers <laughs> specifically um yeah that's crazy or they just you know have more than enough nurses to be able to have a breaker or two um some days we don't have any breakers so the charge nurse will help but for the most part they are there to help and that was more of a relief for me i would say you know coming from like you said you hit the ground running at 7 a.m and you leave at 7:30, and your break time is just kind of wherever you can find those little slivers in between when you get a moment to breathe but yeah that was just like wow I have time (laughs) (laughs) I can actually step away and not you know feel like I have to take care of all of this while I'm also trying to eat and stuff my face (laughs) yeah
0: it's Mm -hmm. nice when companies do their best to put you in the best position that you can be in and give you that relief when it's definitely much needed especially as a nurse you're dealing with other humans let alone like sick humans or like people that are needing help like you are dealing with very important things you need a break in the middle of your day like I feel like I need a break in the middle of my day and I work from home (laughs) so I'm like if I'm working in a hospital I need like an hour break to recoup yeah so that's crazy
1: I will be in heaven when they adopt giving us an hour break that would Even just be <laughs> yeah yes 45, 45 minutes 45 minutes I will take 45 minutes
0: I also wanted to ask you both before we dive in because I also know Liz you maybe have some questions for Lex or vice versa just because you guys do same things but different so my last question is for both of you if you could give a general statement to patients really just the whole world because I think at some point we're all patients but if you could give like a general note or statement or word of advice or a word of something to be mindful about of just hospital etiquette whatever it may be what would that be
1: that's hard I have one blanket statement let me just make sure I'm hearing this question correctly before I say this (laughs) (laughs) when you say giving a general statement to others about hospital etiquette as far as when they come into the hospital and then interacting with us and other hospital employees yeah yeah okay my one statement would be this is not a hotel
3: girl (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) period (laughs)
0: That's it.
3: <laughs> this is not this a is not hotel. hotel. <laughs> this oh. is not a hotel. Oh my gosh, that is. I feel like a lot of nurses are gonna be like, "That is a thing that we talk about all the time." I literally had a patient the other day be like, "I'm not gonna leave. It's nice here. I'm gonna stay here. Go <laughs> ahead and change my bed sheets." And I was like,
1: "This is no. not, the
0: hell... no, not. I mean, not the hotel." No, not a hotel.
1: I don't want to get into this too much, but the types of statements you will hear from people, the de- the demands, the lack of respect, they feel as if they are entitled, and which is fine. You, you are my patient, and I am here to take care of you. So yes, you are entitled to a certain standard, but when I say this is not a hotel, that means I am not your maid service I am not here to you know give you everything at you know the drop of a hat you know they want things done just quick snap in a finger like that is not that is not what the hospital is for you know we have other patients that we're taking care of we have other things that we do and the lack of respect (laughs) they have sometimes for us can be very, very minimal. And it can be very very sad sometimes, you know, just the things people will say or what they expect. Yeah, so yeah. this is yeah. not a hotel. That's all I will say. That's great.
3: Um, Mine's gonna be, do not come to the nurse's station, use your call light.
1: Because. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that comes with wanting things at the top of the hat and it's yeah. the top of the finger
3: I just I'm like don't this is my cave I need to like if I finally get a second to sit down and then I feel like you know a family member or somebody will come out and they're looking at me like I'm not doing anything because I'm sitting down but I'm like I'm charting I'm messaging doctors also like just press your call light. Please do not come out here. You, you're asking my coworkers where I'm at. Like I wasn't in here five or 10 minutes ago. It's just, it's so demanding. And, and it's like, I need space too. Like when I come into that room, I'm going to do everything I can and give you the best care. But when I walk out, you don't know what just happened in another patient room. You don't know what I'm trying to manage on this computer. So like press your call light, call me but do not come out to the nurse's station, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've i experienced this with just family members and being in the hospital with them for a numerous amount of days at a time and them getting impatient with like their food not coming or they'll press the call light and they'll be like, well, I pressed it five times. I can only imagine the amount of impatient people you guys have it's to deal so with.
1: It's hard
3: i swear that room the patient room is like a mind warp for people you know they lose track of time yeah it feels much longer it's so dreadful because a lot of they don't want to be here you know Mm. other than the ones who think it's a hotel they don't want to be in the hospital
0: yeah and
3: so when they press that call light and they need something and it's taking more time they don't know what is going on in the back burner you know i could be in a patient room my nurse assistant could be in a patient room, but to them, they're being ignored to them. They're being abandoned and they're yeah. already so their emotions are already so heightened and they already are kind of going through their own trauma right now of yeah. whatever reason they're in the hospital. So I do empathize for him. I really do. But please, the etiquette, you know, too. <laughs> <Yeah,
0: chill. laughs> Um, Uh this brings me to a completely other question that I was not uh I wasn't even thinking about, but it reminded me of being in the hospital for certain family members for an extended period of time. There was a point where I remember journaling, like this room is so bland. This hospital is, it feels like a prison. There's bright fluorescent lights, everything's white and bleak. I think if they painted the walls, a lot of these patients could be happier and it would help with their mental state. I remember just writing that to myself. You guys are in the hospital more than a majority of people because you work there. So you're there weekly and I'm not going to a hospital weekly. I'm not volunteering to do that, at least. Do you think like having some more like liveliness in the environment and in the decorations would help?
3: I think they feel like they typically do that for PEDS. The PEDS units always are very Mm -hmm. colorful. Anytime I've seen colorful rooms in the adult section, it's very tacky it's like maybe like old school or something like that. I think more windows, more windows, not just to the patient rooms, but windows to like for the nurses to look out of too. Cause sometimes it mm-hmm. feels like I'm just walking through a hallway all day with no light coming no in. Yeah. <laughs> There's no sunlight. There's some bougie hospitals out there. I'm a little bit of a hospital snob because, you know, I do have to spend a lot of time in the hospital. So whenever you get, you know, in a really nice one with lots of windows, they have a nice uh, coffee cafe. It just, those little touches make it a lot easier to be at work all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And especially because it's like, it's, it's a place where you do have to, not only are you guys dealing with it constantly of like just the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows of just, People being sick and going through the circle of life, but so are the families that are visiting them. And like your environment takes a toll on your emotions and how you deal with things. So I was just, I was like, it would make sense for them to make these places a bit more cheerful to be in. Um, but they don't. And <laughs> I I had surgery when I was 16. So I was like old enough to think I was, you know, a big, a big boss woman. But anyway. I don't ever want to go to another hospital. I don't want to stay in PEEDS. <laughs> I was in Barnes Jewish in St. Louis, the children's hospital. It's the best hospital I've ever been in my entire life.
3: Pull <laughs> cool in there.
1: That's you cool know, hospital. and most, like she said, you only see those colorful hallways, those big, bright rooms with nice paintings on the walls, only in PEEDS and in like the NICU, in the baby unit. Um, oh, yeah why they don't do that for adults. Not sure. But, you know, we're just big kids. (laughs) (laughs) These hospitals have been around for so long that I don't think that will change anytime soon, because that would mean they would have to shut down units in order to repaint walls and hang certain things up um, to completely restructure something. But where I did see a lot of creative things happened was during COVID because a lot of, you know, patients were stuck in rooms, whether they were stuck in a private room or a double room, whether that room had windows or not, um, they couldn't come out of that room and family members couldn't go in. So lots of family members would create boards um, for these patients, especially in the ICU, because you we didn't see a lot of their faces sometimes because we had them in these um, certain type of beds that would literally cover them from head to toe. Um, they were kind of like smushed in this rotator bed. Um, scary thoughts, but anywho, you didn't really get to see it. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what? You didn't get to see their face or maybe, you know, what they looked like when they were healthy. So a lot of family members would bring in boards where they put pictures of the patient, you know, with their family, their wives, their kids, what they like to do and just made this big, you know, get well sign and they would write little notes and different things like that. And that was really special for me to be able to hang that in the room to create, you know, this art gallery in that patient's room for them for when they woke back up, you know, when they were in their right state of mind where they could see, like, look at all of these things that all the people who really cared about you did for you. So now you're not in this bland white walled fluorescent lighting room with, you know, a provider looking over you, asking you if you're okay. Um, Also another thing was music was big because some hospitals don't have TVs. Now you go to these older hospitals, they don't have TVs. They don't have a lot of resources that the bigger, newer model hospitals have. And families would bring in little iPods or the old time radios where you just, you know, plug it in and click it on and have to dial it to the right station. And we would set that up for patients. And even if they, you know, weren't able to talk back to us, we would put on their favorite station, sing to them. um, And just, you know, those little things kind of help, Create a more lively environment than being in such this bland boring losing track of the time not knowing what day it is
0: yeah room yeah
3: yeah oh that was so heartwarming
1: (laughs) and that's part of the reason why I love what I do is because doing little things like that or even suggesting I remember lots of times um Even like the hospital that I currently work in, they don't have a lot of, you know, big fancy TVs, different things like that, where patients can listen to the radio on the TV or watch a, you know, nice movie. So I had to suggest to family members, you know, do you have something you can bring in for them? What do they like to listen to? Because they would always say, oh, it's, you know, I hate looking at them across the glass. You know, we have this big wall in between us and all I can do is stare at them through this little piece of glass. I wish I was right there next to them. I wish I could touch them. And in replace of that, I am there to do that for them when they're not able to. So I become, you know, kind of the loved one for that patient while their family member isn't able to cross that barrier because of whatever reason. Um, So it's just nice to suggest different things like that. I've read notes to patients that family members have written and they would always ask me, do you think they could hear, hear what I'm saying? And I'm a firm believer in they can always feel and hear um, anything close, no matter what state of mind, just the energy. So I've read notes, I've turned on the music, you know, just those small little, small little things make a difference. Mm,
3: that's so true I really like how you mentioned all the different ways that family members can help patients who you know are stuck in the hospital just like still feel at home I've also like seen patients bring in photos from home of family members Mm -hmm. and like flowers don't sleep on flowers like that brings a lot of color into the room and it helps it smell good so
1: and also nice like, to you though. Yeah, <laughs> we've, oh, we've right, taken flowers, so many flowers. Yeah. It's so sad. I'm always like, oh, these are beautiful, but you have to take them home because you can't leave them here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's cool to think that COVID put into perspective how much you can do for somebody without necessarily being there. So Ooh. that that aspect is nice, and could take that away in all aspects of life versus just the hospital. I lied. I do have one more question. (laughs) It's for both of you. What is something that you wish you knew maybe during the college stages um, before starting your career that you know now?
3: I wish that there was like, you know, the last semester of nursing school, we go over a lot of prep on boards and things like that. But I wish that they had somebody come speak to us or some sort of workshop about how to pick the right job, things to look out for, you know, ways to advocate for yourself. In what cases should you take a contract? Should you not? What are the consequences of that? That you are allowed to negotiate your pay, even as a new grad, you do not just have to take what they offer you. Um, Knowing how to handle certain situations, like if you're A new grad and it's your first you know couple weeks on your own and you get an assignment that you know possibly the charge nurse who made your assignment wasn't thinking about your actual like experience and just kind of rushed to make an assignment how do you address that who do you talk to you know I feel like if there were more if there was more prep around that I felt like I had to do a lot of research and just listen to a lot of videos and Try to navigate all that because you are still, even though you're new and yeah, you still have to learn a lot. You know, If you're going to end up signing a two-year contract at a hospital, you need to still understand that you're valuable and you are still essential and you don't have to trap yourself in anything that feels like it's not aligned for you.
1: And I would just piggyback off of that really um, is about having people come in to really communicate with the new grads coming out of school of how to advocate for yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. because that's huge. Like you said, you are valuable, you are essential. And there are certain things that when you're first starting off, you feel like you just have to accept and, um, you can get walked over a lot and a lot of things can get missed and you can end up feeling devalued. And I think that that is how burnout comes very quickly, especially in the nursing world. And as we have a nursing shortage right now, um, you know, that can happen rapidly. And I think it's important to know how to advocate for yourself to be able to um, learn how to give yourself that, you know, work hard, but also have that space to where you are taking care of yourself personally because it's a hard job and you're caring for so many people for so long, that can become taxing on the body and the mind. Um, the nursing field is hard mentally, emotionally, and physically. Um, there's nothing easy about it. You are constantly in a environment of trauma, loss, grief. You know it could it could be seen as very negative, but yeah, we are there to uplift those patients and take care of them and provide uh resources for them, but it's important to advocate for yourself so that you're also getting taken care of.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I love the mental health aspect that you just mentioned because there is so much energy exchange going on in the hospital, you know, they they might be feeling, you know, a lot of grief, sorrow and then we are taking that and trying to put out more joy and, Mm -hmm. you know, try to make their day better. And there isn't, unfortunately, I haven't seen it yet. A lot of talk about mental health with, you know, healthcare providers in terms of hospitals providing resources for them. And, you know, if in nursing school, they started talking to us about ways to take care of ourselves and maybe to start trying to form a relationship with a therapist, because once you get out there, it's, it's real and you can really get affected by that. And you might see some really crazy stuff and like the hospital or a crazy situation might happen. And the hospital doesn't have anything. It doesn't have any um, therapy type resources for you. And you just kind of got to go home and deal with it. Well, if you don't have the tools in your box to deal with it or the resources on your own, it How can do, you do it <laughs> a part of burnout. That's going to be a part of the burnout. And so, it kind of goes back to something that Mallory said earlier where it's like, you know, if businesses took the time to take care of their employees, you know, it'd be so much more beneficial and overall beneficial for them. It would help patient outcomes. It would help them save money.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: it would help them make more money. And so it's like, why isn't it being prioritized?
1: Yeah. yeah. And it, it would help keep, keep their own staff. You see so many, yeah. um, the turnover is huge because yeah. people aren't happy and they're, jumping from ship to to ship to ship to try and find that happiness and like you said essentially what are they doing for their staff what are they doing for their employees because how how do you offset all the trauma that you're also taking in from what you're seeing what you're taking care of what the families are experiencing and then trying to show the bright side of that
0: Well, we can hope that our voices become loud enough to shake things up a bit and make the world a better place and the hospitals a better place and the education system's a better place so that people come in well-prepared and understand what they have to look forward to and they feel like they have the resources that they need to be a successful nurse or doctor or whatever it may be. So that's why you guys are here. So thanks for that. Do you guys have any questions for each other? For me,
1: do um, you have any
0: questions for me?
3: I have a question for you. So I know you mentioned some pros and cons of travel nursing. One of them being that your contract can be canceled at any time, which is crazy. Um, but my biggest question is like, you know, whenever you go from being a staff nurse, and even if you're if you decide to go per diem or whatever you're used to the comfort of, you know, being at home, kind of knowing what to expect from a hospital. What was your transition like, kind of becoming your own contractor, like your own boss? Like you have to do a lot of research, meet with different recruiters, um, you know, pick an assignment that works for you, negotiate on your contract. There's just so much that goes into it. So like, how was that transition for you? Because it's a lot of work. It's almost a a lot more mental work, I think, which could be a con, for the pay and the freedom of like okay once i'm done with this assignment i can peace out for a little bit but yes. what was that transition like for you
1: it was like a second job when i first started um when i knew i wanted to make the jump and move out here to california whether that was me taking a staff job or a travel contract um it was a lot of research like you said i hit the ground running i signed up with I think five different agencies at the time spoke with all different recruiters from those agencies and they, you know, gave me my options, what I was looking for, what specialty did I want to work, um, what my experience was like, did I want to work day shift, night shift and kind of how far I was willing to commute as well. Those were all different things that they took into matters and then kind of created a list for me of here are the contracts that we have available now. This is what each one is offering. Um, Some may be good, some may be bad. It was really just about finding what worked for me and in that moment. Um, Like I had mentioned to you before, I really had to think about, was it the experience that I wanted to gain or was it just the flexibility of, making my own schedule and having that financial freedom. Now, sometimes you can do both, but that comes with kind of getting into it and then also learning how to navigate once you're in, Um, because there's a lot of different things that you can negotiate. But then also like me, I've been at the same facility for quite some time now. So I have a little bit more autonomy with my schedule they like to work with me, um, I'm able to you know, get the days off that I need, whether that's me going on vacation for a few days or not. Sometimes you're able to put those vacation times in your contract, so they um, don't have a choice whether or not to give it to you because it's in your contract of those days off. But some facilities don't allow you to take X amount of days off. So I've also had the issue where I've needed multiple weekends or weeks off, and they would only allow no more than two weeks of me taking off of my contract. So then you have to think about, okay, well, if I go with this facility, are they going to allow me to construct my schedule the way I need it to be so I can still get those, you know, increments off of the time that I need? So yeah, it oh, was- gosh, I- It was difficult. And even now, you know, as your contracts end, you come to the point of looking at do do I stay because you can sometimes renew if the facility likes you, you have good rapport with them, you like them, the money is still where you would like it to be. You can always extend your contract or you jump into do I go somewhere else and continue to experience <clears throat> different hospitals different locations try to maybe get a little bit more money but what comes with that is also you don't know what then you're walking into with that hospital and what their policies and you know rules are so it can be <clears throat> excuse me it can be um a whirlwind <laughs> but ultimately i think once you get into the flow of that research and establishing that foundation for yourself with different recruiters, different agencies, and really knowing how to navigate certain websites to find the best job for you, it will get easy. And then yeah. it's it's like, okay, I'm looking for something else. Let me pop on here, find something. Let me reach out to this recruiter who already knows me, already has my information. Let me see what they can find for me because I still get recruiters all the time that will text me and say, oh, I know you said your contract is up in April. Are you ready to look for something? I can find something for you. And essentially the recruiter is supposed to do all the work. (laughs) You know, you just give them what you would like and they are supposed to do all the grunt work for you, find those different jobs for you. And you can just say yes or no.
3: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is knowing It's a a learning curve and then, you know, it's a new arena of trying to figure out how to advocate for yourself because I have heard of some recruiters trying to lowball you so you Mm -hmm. have to, you have to be pretty specific on your requests, but you have to know like what do I need to be very like, strong about and what do I have to have more leniency about. And I can definitely see how there would be like conflicts with trying to do per diem and travel, because like you said, some of these assignments are like, you can't take off so much. So how are you going to fly back or how are you going to work that other shift? And then also, you know, fulfill your contract. That's a lot.
1: It is. Yeah. You really have to sort of choose one. I would say starting off until you really get your feet wet and kind of know the ins and outs of things and know what work, what works best for you, um, especially if you are thinking of uh, tapping and going in between two states, back and forth, because that can become a little tricky. Um, but if you want the experience right now, the biggest thing is that I think because of COVID and the rates were so high, nurses were getting all this money, you know, now a lot of nurses aren't taking lower paid contracts, but that, that's not really sustainable. I mean, to a certain extent, you don't want to get lowballed, but also these big high paying contracts, you know, nurses were getting paid like close to 10 grand a week. That is not out there anymore. And that is- I love it you know, I don't know when power. that would come back around, but <laughs> you were luckily at that time for those nurses who were able to receive that kind of compensation, you know, good for them. Um, but that is just unsustainable for hospitals. And I think as us as nurses, we have to, we should be compensated well for what we do, but we also have to get out of this mindset of, um, you know, continuing to just try and get the the biggest check out there because then you're losing sight of your purpose and what you're actually doing and I think that that can become a big issue as well
3: well I feel like some people go into travel because they're burnt out and they think that that would help them and so I think that's whenever they get very in the dollar in the dollar mindset because to me with my values I'm like I want that work-life balance and I'm not mm-hmm necessarily going to prioritize money over my mental health and my happiness and you know putting that at risk so so you agree that that's not going to help with your burnout for anybody out there that's like oh let me try travel nursing or what are your thoughts on that
1: I think it can help because if you let's say you take a contract it's 13 weeks that's about three months Um, And then you take a month off and then jump back into another contract. So the way that you're getting compensated, if you are savvy with your money and not spending every little penny as it comes in, um, you can be able to save enough to allow yourself that great amount of time off to be able to take that mental break, step away from the bedside, travel a little bit, spend time with loved ones, and then come back to the bedside. Some people have taken three months off. Um, It just really depends. You know, you have to be able to set yourself up financially to be able to do that. And some people can do it whether they have a spouse at home who also supports them or whatever kind of environment they may go back to others are on their own. So they may work a full year before they can actually take a month off. Um, But I, I do think it can help. I think that it creates a huge work-life balance for the way you set it up for yourself. Um, Being staff, you know, you're just, you're just working. You don't have these, you can take time off, but then are you really given that time off? Maybe you can save up PTO for as much as two weeks and that's it. Um, But otherwise you're expected to be at work when you're scheduled Um, for travel. You have your contract, you complete that. And then, Ultimately, the decision is yours. You want to jump into something else, you want to take two weeks off, you want to take a month off. It's all up to you. It's definitely something to think about. I think it's worth it.
3: Yeah. I still think it's worth it too. I think in the beginning, like you said, it it there's a lot of research that has to go into it, but once you get in the flow, you get in the flow. So um what are your thoughts on how many years of experience a nurse should get before she, before they travel? And also I'm curious to know what other places you've traveled to. And if, you know, Cali is like the gold standard because of the laws in place for ratios, you know, cause then, cause somebody could be like, Oh, maybe I could do like a year and a half of experience, but I'm going to go to Cali and they have these ratios. So it's going to be better on me. So like, what's your, That's why those two questions are coming up for me.
1: I'm probably a really bad (laughs) um, person to ask this question to, because I would say I'm not your typical gold standard as what a lot of nurses or travel nurses who have been out there for a long time would say, they probably won't agree with me, but me, I was out in a year. I did one year, I got my year, and I left. That is not favored in this world. (laughs) But I think it comes hand in hand with how comfortable you are with your skills. If you feel like you're very comfortable with you with your skills, with your specialty, you've seen a lot, you've experienced a lot, and you can take that and go into a place where no one will help you and you will ultimately be okay. And you can still provide that care for your patient. Then I think you should do it. And I felt like I was ready for that. When I hit that year mark, um, I saw a lot. I experienced a lot. Luckily I had a lot of great physicians and other colleague nurses that I worked with who helped prepare me to you know, take my skills to another place and provide that care. Um, But usually they say, you know, two to three years, two years at the minimum. I was lucky enough that I had recruiters take me under their wing at it with only a year experience because of also what my experience entailed. Um, I was able to speak on a lot of things that I did and that I was able to do and that I worked with that kind of set my resume up for hospitals to be like, okay, well, she may only have a year, but she has seen this and that she has cared for patients on these different, you know, machines and different sorts of equipment that she has experience with as well. So (laughs) Again, not the best person, but be confident in what you can do. If you feel like your skills are where you would like them to be, then take them somewhere else. If you think you still have other areas that you would like to become stronger in and be a little bit more confident, then I would work on those things before you take off. And obviously, we're always still growing as a healthcare professional, and there's always different things to learn things are changing constantly and what we do the different uh, materials and equipment that we use but your foundation have a strong foundation
3: yeah well oh like what places have you traveled to and like what are your thoughts on full experience thing and then going to cali
1: i have also been at the same facility (laughs) So I got comfortable. (laughs) That was the last question that you were asking. I was like, I know that there was something else. Oh, yeah, you did say that. Yeah. So, another, again, bad, I guess, resource in this area. I have been at the same facility since I started. So, I have just extended my contract mainly because I liked the experience that I was getting there and I felt like. Specifically on the unit that I was working on, I could see a lot that I may not see in other hospitals. Um, I work in a level one trauma center hospital, and for the field that I'm in and the unit that I work on, we see a ton of different things. And I have just been able to get so much experience on that unit and increase my skill level that I don't think I would have done going to taking a contract at a community hospital, maybe that's at a lower level, doesn't get to see all those things, doesn't have a high, you know, they don't, their physicians don't perform certain surgeries, just anything like that. So I continue to say also, because the compensation was still being provided for me with what I needed it to be at. Um, and I liked the people that I worked with. And that's huge for me. Sometimes it's not always about money. It's about the environment and the type of people that work there and the doctors. And I really enjoyed the people that surrounded me when I came into work. Um, So ultimately, that's why I stayed. Now, I do have other friends that I've made that started off with me there that have jumped around to a couple different places. And some places they've experienced that they didn't like so much. And they were getting floated to so many different units. Um, not being able to work in the specialty that they wanted and just not having the best experience at those hospitals and kind of taking the grunt work and just rolling with it because then that was their new contract. Um, So they've had to bounce around to a few different places to be able to find the one where they're like, okay, I like it here. Um, But for them, they wanted to experience different hospitals. So it was more about let me just hop around and see. Um, For me, it was about where do I find a place that I can kind of call, you know, my new home.
3: Yeah, I think I always battle between craving stability. And I know me and Mallory talked about this a little bit with like all the travels that she did how you know, at some point she was like, you know, I miss having, like my home that I can go like nesting, you know, like my little cave, my oasis. So I'm always like grappling with the side of me that loves my apartment and the little oasis I've created. And then the other part of me that just wants to explore and just constantly experience everything that the world has to offer. And yeah, I feel like I would kind of get in between because if I find a really good spot, I'm gonna get comfortable. But then Mm -hmm. the other part of me is gonna be like, let's go see what else is out there.
1: Yeah. Definitely. And that's kind of where I am right now. Like I've been comfortable and I got comfortable, but here shortly my contract will end in July. And then I'm done at that hospital, unfortunately. And it's very bittersweet because I'm like, Oh, you know, this is a place I started. I created so many great memories here. So many new experiences and new people that I met. And now I will be blossoming off into a new journey and onto a new hospital in trying to find that home somewhere else so you know what's starting always comes an end and you just have to figure out you know do you want that end to be short or drag it out a little bit yeah and the great thing about getting into this travel nursing world because a lot of us travel nurses like to travel we like to take vacations there are a ton of a ton of us that have created these their own um travel groups. Travel groups.
3: Okay.
1: yeah. And I have a close friend of mine, two close friends who are in the process of doing that right now. Um, one of them, she actually shout out to my girl Kennedy. She's <laughs> a travel nurse from Milwaukee. Um, she's been out here in LA. She is has created this group with um, another TikTok nurse. They're both very well known on TikTok. Um, and they have created this group for nurse wellness, this like self care retreat. And we're actually supposed to go to Bali in October. Um, and then Costa Rica yeah. as well, and doing like a whole seven days. And they create the entire itinerary um, themselves and you just sign up for it you sign up you buy your flight you show up and you're with these you know 20 20 different girls or you know girls and boys and just enjoying this experience
0: and we'll that is so fun
3: my way yeah. definitely send it that my way I'm I want to go to Bali in September and right now I have plans to go with someone but they I don't know it's a little up in the air so <laughs> I'm one of those people where I'm like, I'm still going to go. And I love the opportunity of using travel groups. Cause then you're not actually like really by yourself in a mm-hmm. new country.
1: Yes. Um, and that's always huge for me. Cause I can be a little baby when it comes to traveling and I'm, I'm big on safety. Mallory knows this when she dragged me out to Spain, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm always I'm about, you know, yeah, not being completely alone. So for people who, don't have the guts and courage like Miss Mal lovings to just take a trip by themselves and explore. Um, These groups are a phenomenal opportunity for that.
0: I have a friend who um, moved to Mexico and she started hosting this thing of like, you could sign up to go to Mexico and explore with her and she would you know, book everything while you're there and whatnot. And you paid a flat fee. All you had to do was get your flight. Mm -hmm. And I was like, should I do that?
3: (laughs) I'm thinking the same thing. Like I'm the planner. I'm, I literally make a whole Google doc of everything and like where to go. So I would love to do something like that in the future. Like just get paid to kind of curate on the side a whole yeah. trip for somebody and then get
1: to travel while doing it exactly you get yeah. to go with the group you get to travel and yeah you're really there you know hosting and making sure things go as planned but you're still experiencing it all yourself so yeah, yeah. it's a win-win
0: yeah
3: you might have maybe we should like all form a travel group now we should like start a business and I mean
0: <laughs> listen I said in the group chat I said hey this is the dream team <laughs> This Um,
1: beauty trio right here
0: period you already know and we're glowing look at (laughs) us come on i am gonna shut this ish down though because we're at like an hour and a half but (laughs) it has been fabulous talking with you ladies and you guys answered a lot of my questions i'm sure you'll answer a lot of people's questions who are going to be listening to this whether they're future nurses or not just regular people who don't know what's going on in the medicine world. So thank you for coming on and sharing your insight and giving other people answers that you wish you would have known. So do you guys have any last comments?
1: Thank you for having me. You know, this was great to speak on a lot of these different topics. This can be a conversation that can last for hours. So to sum it all up in a short amount of time is
3: is great. Thank you. For giving us the opportunity just to like help other people feel seen who are also, you know, nurses and also just to kind of give people some perspective into like our career and what it's like. Yeah. And like like it literally could go on for hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I want you guys to plug yourselves. So Lex, plug your Instagram or whatever you would like to plug for people to reach out if they would like to. Um, It doesn't have to be your Instagram. It could be whatever platform you would prefer. But let these hoes know so they can follow you.
1: So my Instagram is LexHeart underscore. Yeah, and you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, just Elexis Hartel. But um, really just on Instagram.
0: Liz, where can we find you if we're trying to stalk you?
3: Instagram. All my links are on there. My TikTok, all that stuff. Um, The blog. (laughs) The blog. So it's L-I-S-L-A-R-E-N-N. Liz Loren. So, yep, you'll see all my stuff on there. And if anybody has any questions that's listening to this, feel free to DM me. I love talking about nursing stuff. And
0: yeah and all of this will be in the bio below so if you want to check that out just hit up the bio and we'll go from there um well thank you guys it's been an absolute pleasure to have you and i'm sure doing well doing so we'll see you guys again this trio is gonna get together again yes, yes. For sure. it's always a pleasure with lex and liz you can find their details and my details in the description below remember to be well and stay swell. I'm your girl, Mallory Lovings. Peace.